Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 336 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to the show. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment. Don't forget to share this episode. On today's Hawks-centric episode, Brad Roland of the Locked on Hawks podcast joins in. Is Trey Young underappreciated? He gives insight on the Cam Reddish trade, DeAndre Hunter's impact, and the development of Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson. A fantastic conversation with Brad. You can find Brad on Twitter at BTRoland. That's B-T-R-O-W-L-A-N-D. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Combo's court. What is new in Atlanta Hawksland, man? And how are you doing today? Doing well. Uh, the Hawks have been playing better recently, so it's a little bit more uh, positive around here. But uh, I appreciate you having me, and always happy to do it. Most definitely. Is is there a challenge to having a daily podcast on one team? I mean, is that a challenge to cover the same team every day? It can be for sure. Like right now, it's not so bad when they're playing in season. You know, off season is especially difficult. Not that I'm doing it every day in the off season, but trying to keep it up when it's like the dead of the offseason is pretty tough sometimes. And if they have a, a stretch where they're not playing well, or if they have a stretch where they don't play in three or four days in the middle of the season, you're just trying to fill in the gaps, but it's usually all right. There are some days I'm sure that everybody understands they're uh, more monotonous than others, but uh, we do what we can. Most definitely. So Trey was named to the all-star game and I want to stay on Trey because obviously he's getting his just due as being an all-star starter, but Sometimes do you feel like he's underappreciated? I mean, he gets compared to Steph, but he's not the athlete as Steph is. He's not as big as Steph is, but he has crazy impact on the game. I mean, the Hawks don't get many national TV games. Do you feel like Trey is a little bit underappreciated? Yeah, I think so. I think there is definitely a corner, if nothing else, of basketball observers that just don't buy it. Um, for whatever reason, whether it be the size or, you know, this year the Hawks not winning, he, he, he gets put, he gets, that gets, that gets put on him sometimes, which if you look at the numbers, it's not really his fault that they wouldn't win. It happened early in his career as well when they were losing. It's like, well, he's on a losing team. It's like, well, it's not really on him. You know, look at the context and also the defense thing. You know, that's, that's the very, it's not, it's not incorrect. Like he is a pretty bad defender, but yeah. there's, there's that lazy narrative where it's like, well, he's so bad on defense. It doesn't really matter. What he does on offense, which is just not true. Like he's so good on offense that he overcomes the defense and much more. So, yeah, I think they're, um, you know, maybe depending on who you ask, he might be properly rated. I think in the playoffs, he started to get the buzz that he kind of deserved last year, but it sort of reset itself. I feel like, and he's, I think back to being a little underrated too. You know, Trey is an amazing passer. He's great off the pick and roll. He obviously is great when he has a lob threat with him like Clint. Um, I was actually talking about Gar- Darius Garland on another podcast and saying how, you know, there's some guys that rack up assists and some guys that orchestrate offense. Do you believe he could do a little better job of maybe getting the hockey assist, putting players in their right place, letting offense flow through him a little bit better? Or do you think that's an unfair criticism? 
Um, I don't, I don't think it's unfair. I think that he could do a little bit better, especially moving off the ball. Okay. When he's not when he's when he's not on the ball, he's not always the most engaged guy in the world, which I think he probably understands deep down. If you watch him on tape a lot, you know, on the bright side, he has the ball almost all the time. So it's not like he, yeah. this happens too, too much. But that's kind of the one thing that I would point to is when he doesn't have the ball, he's too often just kind of standing in the corner or standing on the wing and not being a huge threat off the ball. But I think for the most part, he does kind of run offense. And yeah, he, you know, he, he racks up assists, but most of the time it's because he's creating passing lanes. And like you said, he's really a truly elite passer. I think he's probably still underrated as a passer. Honestly, I've always thought that was his best skill, which not like it's, that's going crazy, but I think, you know, because it's talked about as a score all the time, you scroll those points, but I think he's truly about as good of a passer as you can be at, at the size that he is. Like there's some stuff that you just can't do when you're six one, but he's such a good passer. I think he, feel, he fills the game so well that um, I don't have too much criticism with him when he's on the ball. It's just the kind of stuff where he's once, once he gives it up, he's not always as big of a threat as he could be. The Hawks have won five games in a row. As of this recording, they play the Celtics tomorrow night as of this recording, but obviously there was a regression. Some saw this regression coming. Did you think there was going to be a regression and what do you feel the cause of it was? It's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, last year they had almost the same trajectory. They started really slow. They fired Lloyd Pierce. They turned the Jets on. The whole story has been told. But um, I was expecting the Hawks to almost have more buzz coming into the season because, you know, usually, especially on a young team, you make the run of the conference finals and it's like, all right, now everybody's going to think the Hawks are going to – I was prepared for them to be overrated. I'll just say that. I, I was prepared for the regression more than people projecting it. But honestly – I thought projections were kind of reasonable. Like they still weren't in that top two or three discussion for most people. It was a lot of Milwaukee as it should be as the reigning champs. It was a lot of Brooklyn. It was a lot of Philly before all the Simmons stuff happened and all that stuff, uh, Miami, et cetera. So I think that the regression was foreseeable, but also it's been a little bit sharper than I thought. Like I thought they're going to be good this year in my mind. And I think if you look at the, at the numbers and the way that they've kind of played when they're at full strength, they've still been pretty good this year but the wins and losses haven't followed. So mostly it's defense, to be honest. Like last year, they kind of found something where they were league average or so on defense with Click Capella kind of being everywhere. He was awesome and I thought really underrated. And this year he had kind of a slow start. They had injuries. They had like a two-week period where they got decimated by COVID, where they were playing replacement players all over the place. And I know a lot of teams had that, but the Hawks had it, I think, worse than most teams did. And the end result of that was a bunch of losses. So like, I think they're not the same thing they were last year when they were super hot late in the season, when they went on that crazy run, they're not as good as that, but they're also better than they've been so far this year, this year, which I think is not like a hot take or anything like that. I just feel like I kind of thought coming into the year, they'd be like the five seed, something like that, four or five seed in the East. And they probably won't get there now because of the slow start, but that's kind of what I think they are in terms of like true talent level is like, you know, a middle tier playoff team in the East. So I have to hear your thoughts on the Cam Reddish trade because I was in Twitter spaces and I've heard Hawks fans say this before this season. I actually heard a lot of, you know, smart basketball minds say this as well, that they wouldn't trade Cam Reddish for Bradley Beal (laughs) at the time. Like there was a lot of people saying that. And now they trade Cam Reddish for Kevin Knox. I mean, what are your thoughts on the trade and how does this benefit the Hawks? Yeah, honestly, I'll say this. Um, I've always kind of liked Cam. I think I've been probably higher on him than national consensus. I want to stress national consensus on him. But locally, there really was a what I thought was a pretty crazy movement towards Cam. Like there was a lot, there are a lot of Hawks fans that would have told you that he was going to be a star. Not not maybe could be one, but going to be one. Like they were convinced that he was going to be this game-changing, franchise-changing player. And you know, 
there's another, I mean, he's still young. He's really talented, but that guy has not appeared so far. There's been flashes of it every once in a while. But if you look at sort of the overarching stuff, he hasn't been very good as an NBA player. Part of that is he's really young. Part of that is that he's been injured. But in terms of like what he was actually able to do, he wasn't helping them. Like he was playing well and he had a good half here, there, but in terms of like the on off stuff, I don't want to get too nerdy about it, but he wasn't helping them win right now. And I think that he also, as they, I was actually kind of surprised about this. They admitted it. And Travis Schlenk, the, the GM president, president of basketball operations said it, that Cam asked out over the off season, which is, I think is part of why they traded him. I think he didn't want to be there. I think he wanted to have, you know, a brighter, brighter, something else um, somewhere else. And, um, you know, they were kind of looking for a first round pick for a while. I had heard that and kind of you know talked about it publicly that they looked for a first round pick and just kind of hadn't gotten one. And the Knicks offered what is a, a decent pick. It's not this great pick. I think Knox is like kind of a throw in. He's a, he's kind of a famous guy because he was a lottery pick and he's playing for the Knicks, but really the pick what they wanted. They, they traded him for the pick more than, more than for Knox and all that stuff. So I wasn't surprised they did it. I wasn't like blown away about the trade return. I thought it was like a decent return. And it's been interesting because he's gone to New York and he's not playing, which is this yeah. very weird thing as well. Like he wanted out because he wanted to have this bigger role. And now he has even a smaller role in New York, which is kind of a sidebar thing. But I don't know. I, I see the potential with Cam, but right now, like he's almost better suited to be a role player. And I think he does not want to be one, at least right now, maybe three years from now, he'll realize that he probably isn't going to be a star and he'll kind of buy in more to defense and that kind of stuff. But for now, I think he wants the ball. I think he wants to shoot. And that's, it's not like out of the ordinary. It does happen for young guys who are talented, but um, the Hawks kind of needed him to be a role player and he wasn't ready to be that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there and I'm really high on cam. Like at least I thought I was really high on cam until I heard Hawks fans saying yeah, that. Me, me too. Honestly, I, 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 I was like, I was like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't trade him for Brad Beal. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. are you are, like, I'm high no, on cam, but I was, I didn't really understand it. I am with you all the way. I mean, I, I, I will talk to people that I, that I know in, uh, around the league that don't cover the Hawks, don't follow the Hawks closely. And I feel like I'm the guy who is higher on cam to those people. Like right. I'll preach about his defensive talent. Like he has yeah. some stuff that he can really do if he puts it all together, but then you, I turn around and Hawks fans think that I'm super low on him because I don't think he's going to be a star. And it's like, well, guys, you're just not being realistic. Like when, when the trade happened, I'm not telling Hawks fans that they had to be super thrilled about it. I knew they weren't going to be happy. As soon as I saw the deal come through, I was like, all right, Hawks fans are going to be mad about this, but I'm just trying to explain like, look, this is, this is what the market was. Like, you don't have to agree, but like they were never going to be able to trade him for, like you said, for Bradley Beal. Like he, he didn't have that kind of value to other teams. And once it became clear that he wanted out and the Hawks were trying to help him get out, they were going to have to trade him for something like this. So it's weird. Yeah. So, I mean, Cam has got, and, all, and I hope that's a good fit with Tibbs because Tibbs seems like one of those guys that wants those like real go-hards, like get after everything. And that's yeah. not really Cam's personality. So I hope it goes no. well there. I do too. I'm a little worried because I, you know, honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll be rooting for Cam. I hope he does well. I still believe Me in the too. player. I think yeah. he's a good player in there. Um, but yeah, my first thought about him going to New York was like, that's not the great situation for him. I don't think maybe getting with RJ will help him. You know, those guys were friends. They played, they played in college yeah. and stuff like that. But I think Tibbs is not the coach that I would design in the lab for Cam right now. So we'll see. I mean, him not playing is already red flag number one, but hopefully he'll find some time and get some court time and maybe figure it out. But uh, yeah, I am rooting for him for sure. Most definitely. So Cam left in a trade. DeAndre Hunter comes back. How much of those things have contributed to the Hawks' current winning streak and them playing better? I think it's big that Hunter is back and also playing well. Like, 
you know, last year he had this great stretch early in the season where he was kind of having a breakout um, before he got hurt early in the season. And then he was gone for months. I was back in the playoffs was okay. And I got hurt again and missed some time. And I've always loved Hunter, to be honest. Like I think he's, he's kind of what every, every team wants. He's probably not going to be a superstar, but he's what he's at six, eight, two-way guy he can guard anybody he can shoot it put it on put it on deck as a as a, uh, as a penetrator as a guy who can create his own shot all that stuff and I think that for this year especially the defense is the biggest thing like the, yeah. Hawks, the Hawks problems really start and maybe don't end but a lot of their problems are our defense this year up and down the roster and in my mind I've said this in a lot of my podcasts their perimeter defense has been their number one issue in terms of like actual basketball stuff this year and Hunter is their best perimeter defender. So having him back uh, doesn't fix everything immediately, but just having him around is so big. Like they put him on guard sometimes. Like the, if they're playing the Wizards, they, ha- they have him on Bradley Beal. If they're having him, they're playing the Grizzlies, he might guard John Morant, which is might sound strange because he's a six eight guy who's playing the three, sometimes the four, but he's the guy who guards the best player on the perimeter every night, no matter who they are, basically. And they haven't had that guy. So just having him back has been huge. It's not only because of him in terms of this run, but it's not a coincidence to me that they have, again, their best you know, two-way option on the wing is back. And that has definitely opened some things up for them. And you need players like DeAndre when your superstar is Trey, right? Big time. I mean, that's honestly, that the draft, they actually drafted DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish in the same draft. And it was expressly they said it almost on the record like look we know what we have to do to build around trey and they're not they're not picking on his defense but when you have trey young you need to have wings that can guard uh number one number two number three they have to be able to guard you can't have weaknesses next to him and drafting two six eight wings in the lottery in the same year people like why are they doing that it's like because you can't have too many of those guys and and it looks like they're only going to have one long term. Obviously, they, they traded Cam, but you have to have guys like that when you're building around Trey. They know it. They've been honest about it. And Hunter is the guy that you know they, they traded up for. They, they give up a lot to go get him. They, they fell in love with him. I think they, I think he fits very very well with Trey. He's got to stay healthy. You know, he's had, he's been banged up a lot the first two and a half years of his career, but he's uh, kind of the fit that they really like with him. I mean, I think one thing he I, he obviously does he obviously plays defense. I think his shooting has improved a little bit, right? Yeah, his issue has been uh, pretty good this year. I mean, obviously, small sample size. I think he's 40% from three this year. I'm not sure where his actual level is as a three-point shooter. I think it's more like in that mid to high 30s. He's not going to be a great shooter, I don't think, but a solid shooter. But it like, provides some gravity when you get to that level, at you, least. you you, you got to guard him. I mean, that's at a minimum, you got to guard him. He probably likes his pull-up twos a little bit too much. Like, he took a lot of those in college. And, tough twos, like, tough twos. Those, eight, those 18-footers, he, he likes those a lot, which is okay. I mean, he, he actually is a pretty good shooter on them. It's just, you know, you got to be so good to make those shots good shots that they got to figure that balance out. But, I mean, he's so big and physical, too. I mean, I'm surprised even still staying next to him. You know, you hear 6'8", you kind of know what that looks like. He's big, like – shoulders he's thick he's thick through the chest like for a guy as young as he is he's already kind of filled out like he's got grown man size and uh, that really helps him too you know I come from a playing perspective and not really an analytic perspective but I will say the tough twos they kind of frustrate me like Julius (laughs) Julius Randle Jason Tatum like I don't know man I'm just like I know those guys are really good but like why so many tough twos man why why yeah it can be frustrating especially when you have going back to it, like when you have, when you have Trey young and your pick and roll game is so good and nobody can stop you. And then you'll see Cam Reddish or down Hunter take a pull up 18 footer. And it's like, guys, you don't, you don't play, you probably don't need that shot. Like at least with Tatum or something like that, those guys are stars. Randall, obviously not so much this year, maybe more so last year, but 
at least those, those guys are the number one options. What is your number three options, number four options taking take long twos? It's like, all right, probably don't, probably don't need this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Tatum, I, I'm just not as high on him as other people, but I know he's a I'm actually, I'm actually with you on that, to be honest. I've never been the biggest Tatum guy, but, you know, he is someone who's a tough shot maker. Like, he, he can make those shots, which sometimes leads, leads to taking too many of them, but he can make them. So there you go. Most definitely. Uh, speaking of shot makers, Bogdanovich and Herder, I mean – I don't think you're going to start both these guys in the playoffs, right? Bogdanovich did such a great job starting in the past, but Herter has been taking more of that starting position lately. Who do you think they should go forward with? Um, I don't think you could – like, I like Herter's game a lot. I don't think you could convince me that he's actually a better basketball player than Bogdanovich, can you? It's interesting. Like, it kind of depends on which Bogdanovich you're getting, to be honest. Mm. Like, last year – I thought Bogdanovich was probably the single biggest reason why they had their crazy run at the end of yeah. the he, he was out of his mind. Like yeah. second half of the season, basically outside of Steph Curry, no one was shooting better than Bogdanovich in the league. And but honestly, but that. honestly, watching him on the Kings, I wasn't super surprised by what he did, you know? Like no, I mean he's really he, tough when he's on. Yeah. You know? He shot 44% from three last year for the season, and it was like 49 or 50 in the second half. Like it was some, it was crazy how well he was shooting. Wow. And he was playing, playing, playing with aggressiveness and hunting his shot and all that stuff. And then this year, uh, actually, actually started in the playoffs, his knee started bothering him during the playoffs. And uh. he was kind of dragging it in the Milwaukee series, and they talked about it. He, he played through it, but then he had a procedure, and then he's kind of not been the same guy physically this year. Now, he just missed some time for the same knee, and he came back as we're talking, and it was yesterday wednesday and he looked he looked good so fingers crossed in terms of like his physicality looked like he was moving well he talked about how, how he was feeling good but i mean to be honest i've always liked Bogdanovich. this year he's been a disappointment because i think it's whether it's the knee or something his defense has really slipped because he couldn't move to be honest if you watch him he looks like a guy who is not 100 healthy in terms of like just burst and stuff like that and he's already not the best athlete in the world anyway he's not this super athlete so if you if he loses a step you can kind of tell right away but, you know, I've always liked him. He's playing well. He came off the bench on Wednesday because it, it was his first game back. And for whatever reason, Herter, the numbers with Herter and Trey together have always been good. And people have always, people have always worried about that pairing because of the defense more than anything else. But those guys play well together. I don't know what it is. You know, Herter's played well with Capella, too. Um, so I'm wondering what Nate's going to do, to be honest. I, I, really, I really don't know. I wish I had a better answer for you on like what they're going to do because I kind of like Bogdanovich as the second unit like engine guy for them. Um, and Nate McMillan is a big fan of like keeping units together. He's not like a stagger guy. Like he plays full second units, um, which kind of drive me crazy sometimes, to be honest with you. <laughs> but he likes to keep guys together. Like he'll tell you he likes groups. And I don't know what that's going to mean for Bogdanovich. I know he last year – Bogey, it was not a secret that Bogey wanted to start. He didn't start early in the season and didn't love that as a guy who had just come in. Um, and when he started, he, he kind of took off. And Herter's been better, better as a starter, too. So it's like you have these two guys. You probably don't want to start them together. Last year, they started together because they had nobody else. Like they, for, for a while, they played without Reddish and Hunter, and they kind of had to start those two guys together. And it worked okay. But with Hunter back, you're picking one of them, and I think they both are better with the starters. So it's like who do you want to choose between the two? I don't know what they're going to do, to be honest. Um, it might be a locker room thing. It might be a, we've been riding this wave with Herder starting and they've been winning with it. So maybe they, st- maybe they stick with that. It's a dicey one. I'm not saying it's like a, it's not a huge deal, but it might just be an interesting decision that he's got to make pretty soon. I think he would go with Bogdanovich again. I kind of do too. Because that's what he went with in the before. He likes vets too. Nate, Nate's a big fan of veterans just in general. He will default to vets usually. Yeah. So. And, and some of their, some of the vets are playing better now too. We could get to that, yep. of course, but um yeah, I would say that, you know, you talk about the numbers. I never looked at the numbers, but 
I do think Herter probably has that like Gordon Hayward gene a little bit more than Bogdanovich. He's kind of more like a little bit more of a ball mover, not the same player, but he's a little bit more of a connective piece than Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich is more like a featured guy when he's on, you know? And that's kind of real. Honestly, that's one of the reasons why I think it might be better to have, have Bogey on the second unit because not that it's a better or worse thing, but the Hawks have needed that juice on second unit. And maybe they don't, maybe they don't as much anymore because Gallinari and Lou have come on a little bit recently, but early in the season, that second unit really floundered. And it's like with Bogdanovich, he'll take the bull by the horns and kind of be that guy. And in the playoffs, when they kind of finally shortened the rotation, they were staggering Trey and Bogdanovich and kind of letting Bogey be the guy on that unit. Whereas Herter, like you said, he's more of a connector and he, he knows it. Like if he's hot, we saw that in the playoffs against the Sixers in that one, uh, in, in, I guess it was game seven, he had a huge game, but he's more of a facilitator, fill in the gaps. He'll, if, if he's feeling it, he'll go. But Bogdanovich is a little bit more aggressive, like hunting his own offense. And that might be a little bit of what they need, but they both work. It's, it's kind of a good problem to have because they don't fit well, that, like that well together, but they can play together. They can play separately and they both kind of give them some offense that they have to have. We'll see what develops. I think it's going to be Bogdanovich, but we will see. Uh, the two veterans playing better, right? Gallinari and Lou Williams, they're starting to step it up a little bit. Yeah, it's been uh, – not that I'm surprised too much about Gallinari. Like, he's kind of – last year he did the same thing, to be honest. He had a kind of a slow start. He's an older guy, maybe get a little bit loose during the season, player stuff into shape, and then he came on late. And recently he's been much better. And Gallo is uh, not a guy who's relying on athleticism, let's just say. He's mm-hmm. – Six nine, six ten. Like he's he's all of he's huge. Number one, and he just doesn't have to beat you off the dribble. He doesn't have to create a ton of space. He just shoots over you and plays through you and draws fouls. He's got that very old school game, and he's had more juice lately. The one I've been surprised about, to be honest, is Lou Williams. Where Lou, I've known Lou for a long time. I'm the we're the same age. We grew up in the same county. Like I've seen Lou play when he was twelve years old. So I've seen him play a lot, and honestly. Early in the year, he looked kind of like he was going to be at the end, to be honest with you. He did not look good at all. Um, and he's 35, and he's a 6'1 guard. It wouldn't be a huge surprise. But the last couple of weeks, he's kind of found it again. I don't know if he needed a break because he was out of rotation for like two weeks. He probably had about off, like 10 days, two weeks to just kind of chill and reset. I don't know if that was what happened, but he's been much better recently. So they've kind of found something with that with that group, with the line right, kind of plugging in the gaps Lou creating Gallo doing Gallo stuff. And that's been a huge part of why they're winning more recently because the bench really killed them early in the year. The stars were pretty good. The bench was not. And now the bench has kind of come alive. Yeah. I mean, things are coming together in many ways for the Hawks. Let's shift from the old generation to the new generation. Sharif Cooper, Jalen Johnson, mark my words, Brad, mark my words. There's going to be a whole bunch of Jalen Johnson leap podcasts in the next few years what not because he got so much better it's because he's going to eventually get an opportunity like to me i honestly believe he would have been on an all rookie team if he been on, if he was on a team that actually gave him opportunity can you tell me more what you see from him and just the development of sharif cooper and jalen yeah i mean first i love the draft for the hawks Last Summer league, year. they were phenomenal, by the way. Yeah, those two guys. I mean, they both got they were great values. I, I had Jalen as like a as a like a mid late lottery pick, so they got him way later than that. I had Sharif yeah. as, I had, I had as a first rounder, and he slid all the way to where they got him. So, a couple of good values there. I'm kind of with you on Johnson. Like he's raw for sure. Like he didn't play a lot of college basketball last year. Famously, I think it was like 12 games at Duke. So and that hurt his draft stock. Just that decision. It, it really did. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's a rookie. He's got 
rookie stuff that he does. Like defensively, he's not always the most aware guy. He'll get lost to fall asleep. He knows it too, but he's really confident. He's got this great skill set. Mm-hmm. And I tried to warn people, honestly, and it's not because I don't like Jalen. I like Jalen a lot. I like Sharif a lot, but this is the wrong team and the wrong coach for them this year. Like there was just no way they were going to play those guys unless they absolutely had to. Nate likes vets. They're trying to win. They have all this depth. Like they needed so much to go right to even get on the court that it was just going to have to be like a reset G League, like development season. And that's what's happened for them. I've not changed my opinion really at all on either of those guys. I think they're both going to be good. And we'll see more next year. Like, without going all the way into it, Gallinari is kind of an expiring contract. He has this non-guarantee left next year. They probably will, I would, I would say, going next year with Jalen Johnson having more of a role. Like, he's got a pretty clear path once Gallinari kind of moves on, you would imagine. Sharif will see. But eventually, you've got to play. At a minimum, Jalen's got to play. Like, he's a, he's a top 20 draft pick with so much talent. And I still like a lot of what he did. I mean, I've, I've watched the G League a bunch this year because those, because those guys are there. And he's shown all the flashes. Like, they played against the G League Elite, I think it was last week. And he was the best part on the floor. I mean, and against some real prospects. Who, from the who G Jalen League. or Sharif? Jalen, Jalen was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I mean they, I'm not surprised by that. But the talent is really there. And, you know, I'm not picking on Nate. But Nate is not going to be the most patient guy with a rookie. So, we'll see a year from now if he gets more time, more investment, um, but I haven't really changed my opinion. I think those guys are still really good prospects. Yeah, most definitely. It's interesting. I mean, it's a bad situation to start for them, though, because if you think about it, you either get reps on a bad team usually or you get winning culture on a good team, but you don't get as many reps. They kind of got no reps on a team that doesn't seem to have a winning culture right now. It's it's a tough situation for them, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so difficult because, like, on the bright side – College Park is down the street. So, like, they've been back and forth. Yeah, and they're getting year. reps down there, which is really yeah, good. They yeah, they basically used yeah. to get reps. And there were two different times. It was kind of funny. Two different times this year where they gave them the choice. like, And they admitted it. Like, Nate and Travis like both said, like, we gave those guys the option. And one time, Sharif went to, went to College Park and played. And Jalen stayed. And the other time, it was the opposite. So, like, they both want to play. It's very obvious they want to play. And that's not, that's they should want to play. But yeah. also, I think they're probably getting it at this point. Like, look, I'm not going to play this year unless something crazy happens in the NBA. I'm not going to play. So get my reps. Also come back, go to practice, learn from my guys. You know, I've, I've pointed out like Sharif being around. People talk about Trey. Sharif being around Lou Williams, I think is huge for him. Because, I mean, very similar paths, small guards. They're both from the area. Lou could just teach him how to be a pro. And it's like that, that kind of stuff is really helpful. Um, Jalen Johnson having a bunch of vets around him, like Gallo teaching certain things. John Collins is a good example of a guy who's, who's developed a ton at the same position that Jalen's playing. Um, so there's that, you know, I don't want to overstate it. It's just like you still have to play at some point, but you can learn, you can develop a practice being around guys and also kind of be the best of both worlds. So on the bright side, I guess, of the whole thing, if you're not going to play, having the G League team close by lets you go back and forth and that can be tough for them like there's some travel stuff that you don't have to think about how much but they'll fly in like by themselves from somewhere else to join the hawks maybe not sleep overnight like there's some tough spots but it's probably worth it for their development so yeah brad i think sharif's gonna be really good and i'm telling you brad those leap Jalen oh, Johnson happening. pocket. They'll be there. He'll be the trendy name on Twitter. Oh, look how much better. Oh, especially, yeah, especially if they go to, if they go to summer league again, I imagine they probably will. If they're healthy, they'll go to summer league yeah. again. They'll probably look great. And yeah, if the Hawks yeah. move on from Gallinari, everyone's going to realize that there's a flashing hole at the power forward spot that they have some minutes for him now. And yes, I can totally see it. It's going to happen. 
Most definitely. Brad, great work as the, as the host of the Locked On Hawks podcast. Where can we find the podcast? Where can we find you everywhere else on social media? Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me. Uh, Locked On Hawks can be found wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all that fun stuff. Uh, I host that show. I also write uh, over at Dime on Uproxx about the NBA. That's not just Hawks stuff. I write about the NBA, the NBA draft, and college basketball for Dime. And uh, you can find me at BT Roland. That's R-O-W-L-A-N-D on Twitter and everywhere else. And uh, yeah, thanks again for having me. You're always welcome back on the show, Brad. Talk soon. Appreciate it. There it is. Another episode of Combo's Court. Thanks to Brad for joining in. Thanks to Combo Nation for tuning in. We here at Combo's Court appreciate you all. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune into Combo's Court. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment. And of course, get this done for me. It means the world to me. If you share this episode, share it with a friend, share it on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, share it on your IG stories, and tag me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 337 combo out.